0: So we are on the continuing sermon series, Fruit of the Spirit. Today, the bad news, it's on patience. Patience. So I know most of you don't really need to hear this, so I said before you could go out for pancakes. I'm preaching to me today because I really need to hear this. So if it bounces off me and hits you, that's a good sign. Uh, I'm going to give you a couple of tests, patience tests, that you can think about. Uh, And I want you to reflect on this. For example, when you go to Publix, and you're in line to get checked out, I know you're laughing already. You're in line, and you only have three items. And so you go to the express line, right? 10 items or fewer. You're there. And the guy in front of you has 18 items. 18 items, and then he's engaging in a prolonged discussion about his Uncle Harry and Aunt Jane, and this is going on, and you're just, where are the supermarket police? I can't believe I have to put up with this. Well, you understand what that's like, or is it just me? Or how about this, you go to the drugstore. Remember how simple the drugstore used to be? You would go to the drugstore, and whenever you would go to the drugstore, The druggist was there. He never took a lunch break. Not now. You go to the drugstore in the middle of the day, you got to guess. Is it 12.30? Is it 1? Is it 1.30? He's out to lunch. They can't help you. It doesn't matter that it took you 20 minutes to navigate traffic and get there. He's not there. When did this happen? Does that affect your patient's quotient? I don't know. And probably the biggest test for me was some years ago when I was down at the Fifth Avenue coffee shop. Some of you have heard this. And so there I was, my favorite coffee shop, where I would normally just walk up to get coffee. But now it's February, and Naples has been invaded by thousands of people. And so now it's going to take me 15 or 20 minutes to get up to get coffee, and now I'm in line. And what's worse, the guy in front of me is wearing one of those sausage suits. You know those suits, the bicycle guys wear. So I'm getting aggravated just looking at this because I'll never be able to fit in this. If you want to know what it looks like, speak to Jay Kessler. He's got a room full of them. And so here I am, I'm in this position. I'm looking at this guy and this line is just moving up slowly and my mind is going crazy. How can I put up with this? What's happened to this town? Finally, we get up to the register, and now one of his compatriots, also dressed in a sausage suit, comes up, gives him a long list, and says, Frank, put this in for the rest of us. That did it. Boom. (laughs) Explosions. Jersey, John. And now I'm just waiting to launch a missile. A missile, you understand? Waiting, he turns around, he looks at me, and he looks me straight in the face, and he goes, John, We love your Bible study. And that is why God wants you to have patience. Because think of the damage that I could have done if I had unleashed this on this guy who just says he loves my Bible study, and I wreck him. I mean, this is what it's all about. That's what this message is about understanding that God gives you this because God wants you to have it so that you can advance the gospel of Christ, the kingdom of God. Amen, church? And so the very first three items in Paul's fruit basket that we talked about were very spiritual items, very nice for Sunday, very nice for us to consider. But his next one, patience, brings us down to earth on a Monday morning. Uh, What are we like to live with the rest of the week. And I want you to think about that yourself, about your own life, about how you react to your wife uh, and to your family. Uh, How do we cope with all of the stresses and presses that we face in on us in the haste and hassle of today? Now, the word Paul uses here to describe this uh, in the original translation means long-tempered, long-tempered. In our older English translations, patience was also translated as long-suffering. Uh, more recently, it has also been translated as forbearance. And so both meanings are needed in order to get the full flavor of what Paul is speaking here. Patience is a tough sort of word. Uh, it demands strength, uh, it demands commitment, uh, and it demands your ability to control yourself, your mouth, and your actions as it relates to others. None of this comes easy. Uh, It'll never come easy to you. But the point of it is, when you've been saved, God has given you that fruit. Believe it or not, God has given you the ability to be patient. He's embedded it in your heart. Now, we need to let that spirit of God grow within us. Now, when we talk about the fruit of the spirit, it really means the spirit of God, the character of God bearing fruit in our lives, uh, the life of God at work within our life. Uh, And there are significant examples that we can see of the patience of God through the Old Testament. Many people think that the Old Testament God uh, was always angry, always angry. I heard a comedian, a Jewish comedian, once say, uh, and it was kind of ironic, he said, you know, you Christians don't realize it. Your God, you get ponies for Christmas. Our God, we got a dreidel and maybe a beating, you know. And it, I mean, it was, it was funny to hear a, a Jewish guy opine on um, what he perceived the difference between the New Testament and the Old Testament. But in fact, when you study, when you study the Old Testament, you don't see that at all. God himself identified himself uh, to Moses in Exodus 34, verse 6. And he said there, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love, and faithfulness. And that was an amazing statement to make, because he had brought the people of Israel out of Egypt. He had saved them. And now, at the first opportunity, when he walked up to Mount Sinai uh, to get the Ten Commandments, and he comes down, what are they doing? They're worshiping a golden calf. They're dancing around a golden calf. They had forgotten the God of the universe, the God that saved them. And so he was ready to wipe them out and start all over again with Moses. And Moses, that great man, interceded, uh, interceded and spared the nation. And so God, in his love and his patience, what an example, the patience of God to put up with the Jewish people for 40 years as they continually disobeyed him in every way. Look also uh, at this explanation of the patience of God In Psalm 103, verse 8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Thank God he doesn't visit us or repay us with what we deserve but he gives us mercy. What I love there is the word slow to anger. Slow to anger. Isn't that really what God wants from us? Don't explode. Be slow to anger. Reflect on the blessings of your life. Look and develop that fruit of the Spirit, that patience. So wherever you are with your family or your friends uh, or in a supermarket or on a line for coffee, reflect on all the things God has given you. Look around you and thank him for all these things and be slow to anger. Now, even when judgment uh, is clearly deserved, God continues to be patient, especially when there is a chance of repentance. Uh, This is what Jonah discovered, and I love that example in the Bible where Jonah is told by God to deliver the message of repentance to Nineveh. And he doesn't want to do it. He takes off and goes in a different direction. God gets him, puts him in the belly of a fish until he delivers him basically on the shores near Nineveh. And now God tells him, you tell them to go and repent or I'm going to wipe them out. I'm going to wipe them out. So he delivers the message. He delivers the message. But guess what? <clears throat> they repent. In sackcloth and ashes from the king right on down, they repent. And is Jonah happy? No, 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 he's not happy. Why? Because he doesn't look like he's been vindicated. He didn't care about them. He didn't care about the salvation. He was a narcissist. How about me? What about me? I don't look that good now. Uh, And you see this. This is, again, an example of understanding the patience of God, that God delivered those people with patience. He was slow to anger. And he did that with Israel uh, throughout several thousand years. Now, slow to anger said God about himself. Look at what the prophet Micah said about God in Micah chapter 7, verse 18. Who is a God like you, who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Compassion linked with, with patience. Compassion slow to anger. Slow to, to uh, evolve into a position of anger. And yet you see this. This is how God is. That he would allow centuries to come by as it related to Israel before he inflicted the judgment on Israel, uh, and how he does that every day of our lives. And you have to reflect on this as you walk with him and want to advance the kingdom of God. Now often you see God's judgment fell only after many, many years of warnings and appeal through prophet after prophet. I often wonder how these prophets would have the patience to continually get up and deliver the message. In fact, some of these prophets themselves marveled at the patience of God in the face of Israel's constant refusal to submit and be obedient. Uh, Jeremiah spent 40 years, 40 years speaking to Israel uh, to turn back to God, to come back and be obedient to God and change their ways. And God spoke through Jeremiah where he said the following. Uh, This is in Jeremiah chapter 3. I myself said, how gladly would I treat you like my children and give you a pleasant land, the most beautiful inheritance of any nation. I thought you would call me father and not turn away from following me. But like a woman unfaithful to her husband, so you, Israel, have been unfaithful to me, declares the Lord. You have been unfaithful to me. I wanted to treat you like a father. I wanted to give you a special land. I wanted all I wanted was that you would call me father and love me, and yet you repudiated me. And this went on year after year after year until finally God allowed Israel to be captive. Uh, and you understand this, and because God is slow to anger. His patience is overwhelming. That's the standard for us. Perhaps it was Jeremiah, especially then that James, the brother of Jesus had in mind, when he spoke about the prophets, his prime example of patience in James chapter five, verse 10, where he said, "'Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience "'in the face of suffering, "'take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord.'" Patience in the face of suffering. Patience in the face of difficulty. Patience in the face of things that don't go right. Patience has a lot to do with how much you are able to carry or walk with in this life. Uh, and, And we are representing Jesus Christ. Let's make no mistake about it. That's the essence of the fruit of the spirit God has given you so that when you leave here, go out to the parking lot and go into the supermarkets or the coffee shops or the golf clubs that you will represent Jesus Christ, the character of Christ. And so that's why sometimes when we say about patience, I can't take it anymore. Well, think about Jesus. Think about how much he cared. Uh, and, and understand that God never got literally tired. Uh, what it means is that at some point God says enough is enough and disobedience has to be taken care of. So when God is patient, uh, when God forgives, it is only because God chooses to array our sins against himself to wear effectively the weight of the cost of sin on his own shoulders. This is precisely, you see, What Jesus did for us at the cross. Look at Isaiah 53, beginning at verse 4. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's the perfect picture of submission, forbearance, and patience. On the cross, all of your sin, all of the sin of the world from the beginning of time, to the end of time, was laid on Jesus Christ. And there was no repudiation. He He didn't walk away from it. He didn't call down a battalion of angels, which he could have done, and yet he suffered in silence because he understood that this was what his goal was and expressed the patience of Christ, the patience of God. This is how we are to live. So when Paul tells us, you see, that the Spirit of God will produce the fruit of patience uh, in our lives. He is reminding us that the God of the Bible uh, who bore our sin and carried himself in the person of Christ is the very one who has given you that character. And so from now on as a Christian, you can't say I don't have patience. You have it. You may not have ripened it. You may not have submitted to it. You may not have had God uh, develop it in your life But you have it. And this message is meant to tell you, to inspire you, to ask him, to develop it. Let it ripen in your life. Let it be existing, blossoming in a a beautiful way so that the world can see it. Now, this leads us, you see, to a study of the life uh, of Jesus as it relates to patience. Now, Jesus walked around for three years with 12 guys who never had a clue. They were clueless, they were clueless. Do you think any one of them knew Jesus was gonna rise from the dead? No way, that's why when he was crucified, they split. It was the women that went to the tomb to anoint the body of Christ, it wasn't the disciples. They never got it, Uh, and, and you see that over and over again. They were slow to understand. Of what he was doing and what he was saying. Yet, he brought them along. He loved them because he knew that would be the nucleus of his church. What an example for us. When we're with people in church who maybe don't get it either. Are you being patient with them? Are you loving them? Recognizing that the church is being built from the bottom up? Do you recognize that? And just like the prophets of the Old Testament, Jesus wept over Jerusalem. Can you imagine that you're called to save the Jewish people? uh, And they repudiate you and effectively will crucify you. uh, And and he just wept over Jerusalem as he thinks about how patiently God had longed to bring them to salvation uh, and protection. But they would not turn back to him. Look at Matthew 23. Jerusalem. And this is where he's coming back into Jerusalem, his last days. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Jerusalem. You who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather you, your children, together. As a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And you were not willing. Imagine. You were not willing. Jesus was burdened even further uh, in Luke chapter 19. Where he says as he approached Jerusalem. Uh, and saw the city, he wept over it. Can you imagine? The God of the universe weeping over Jerusalem uh, and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Let's understand what that meant. That meant that Christ saw 40 years in the future when Jerusalem would be wiped out where more than a million Jews would be murdered by the Romans, where the blood in the city would be ankle deep, Jesus saw it, where their beloved temple would be destroyed, where not one stone would be left on the other, and yet they abandoned the God of the universe. And Jesus patiently continued to deliver the message. And so the supreme patience of Jesus is demonstrated as he endured the violence and cruelty of the cross and the injustice of the cross. When he made no crime, he didn't do a thing, but he did that precisely in order to carry out the will of God and to save you so that death would be forever defeated. And that's what he did. That's why he patiently accepted uh, the pain on the cross for you uh, and the hostility uh, and the cruelty for you, uh, and look what—look really what Peter says about this in First Peter chapter two, verse twenty. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and enduring it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow. In his steps, he committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Amen, church? Let's understand this. Look at at that passage. When they hurled insults at him. He did not retaliate. Isn't that really the nature of humanity? Don't you just want to when you're sitting there uh, and finding some indignity that you're suffering? Don't you want to just retaliate? Don't you want to fire a missile? Or maybe it's just me. (laughs) It's just me. I understand it because you guys have arrived at a state of grace. But I understand. I understand. I know what it's like as you say, Lord, help me, Father help me. Help me to be more in control. Don't let me wreck your testimony, Lord. Don't let me show myself to a world that will never be saved because they'll see someone who's supposedly a Christian leader act in this way, and it applies to all of us. We need to understand that. Uh, Because here was the prototypical example when he could have brought down a battalion of angels, and yet he suffered in silence. Therefore, if the Spirit of God is the Spirit of Jesus, and it is, then this is one of the ways that he will make us more like Christ. He'll do this by following his example. The fruit of the Spirit will include the quality of patience that reflects how Christ bore his suffering. He endured for our salvation. It is now inhabiting your heart the very spirit of Christ, the ability to be patient in that kind of suffering. Now, will you allow it to grow? Will you allow it to blossom? Will you say to God, please, Father, let this grow stronger in my life. Help me, Father, to exhibit this quality that you have given me. Help me to be more like you, Jesus. Well, this brings us at last to ourselves. We've talked about God. We've talked about Christ. Now let's talk about us. We have seen something of the patience of God in the Old Testament and the patience of Christ in the New Testament. Uh, what will it be like when that patience that God gives us grows like fruit in our lives? What will it be like? We have to go back to some of the original definitions. Long-suffering, forbearance. The Bible teaches us very clearly that God's people will suffer from hostility will suffer from injustice. Uh, And some of the things that we will suffer will be satanic, but some of them will be from human vehicles. Now, Christ's example becomes crucial for us uh, because look at what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. And I know that many of you have been insulted because of Christ. I recognize it. Some of you have come out of churches where you were insulted, and yet you didn't deserve it, all right? You never deserved that, and yet God sees that. And in the unseen hand of justice, God is behind the scene. God is teaching you and growing you. And so everything you have gone through in your life as you walk with God is to give you more patience. And I would say that today I have a lot more patience than I did 10 years ago. You can ask Glenda on the way out. (laughs) I still have a long way to go. You understand? But what I find now, and I don't know if it's you, that when something comes across my vision that I don't like, immediately the motors rev up, right? The motors rev up and I get ready to say something. But all of a sudden the convicting power of the Holy Spirit says, Shut it down, John. Shut it down. Don't fire that missile. Think about what you're about to do. Is this going to advance the kingdom of God? And I'm, I'm convicted, okay? I'm convicted. It's not that I all of a sudden I'm a new person. It's that the convicting power of the Holy Spirit turns it down. That's what God has given you. That's how the fruit of the Spirit works. The convicting power of the Holy Spirit And so you have to need to understand this. The message from these verses is clear. When Christians suffer, there's no surprise. We're meant to suffer, Uh, but there should be no retaliation. Oh, John, what do you mean? I can't make it right? No, no. No, you don't make it right. He makes it right. You understand? He makes it right. Because if you go to make it right, you're going to mess it up. And why take the ultimate hand of justice away from him and put it in your measly human hands when you have no idea what you will be doing? And otherwise, we're quitting on God. We're not walking with God. This is an important message for you. Uh, We have to carry on on doing what is good. Well, how can I do good for God if all I'm concerned about is retaliation? You think that's how God wants you to live? That's how God wants you to walk? Uh, Millions of our Christian brothers and sisters around the globe are suffering, uh, discrimination and imprisonment and hatred, things that we don't ever experience, all because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And we pray for them. Uh, For them, the Bible teaching hits home every day regarding suffering. It's not a a mere theory. It's not a mere doctrine. It's the essence of their lives. It's a terrible reality. We need to pray for them. But we should also pray for courage for ourselves, to walk in the light of God, to exhibit this fruit of patience, endurance, and not resort to angry retaliation. This is an incredible fruit of the Spirit uh, that God has given us. He has given us and equipped us to be able to walk like this. And now patience also means forbearance with others. Forbearance with others. It means putting up with things from people that aggravate you. Can you imagine? Uh, People that do things or don't do things that you wish they would do. Uh, It means that you make an effort to bear with them, even when they irritate or annoy you. Uh, Forbearance is when you choose, you choose to forgive and forget, rather than hold a grudge against them. Uh, This is important. Forbearance is when you learn to be patient uh, with others, mainly because you are well aware that they need to be patient with you. Or has that never dawned on you? It means you remember what other people are reflecting on when they look at you and forbearing with you. Now, this kind of patience that I'm speaking about is sadly needed more than ever in Christian churches and even among Christian leaders. How about that? Uh, Some people can't seem to wait to get their word in. Have you noticed that? Uh, They become impatient in attitudes, in communication, and even in expectation. They can't wait to speak up. And as church leaders, and I look at you as leaders in various ways, you know that the work involved in ministering to God's people calls for limitless patience, supernatural patience, all right? In church, this is because people are all different. We come from all different perspectives, all different walks of life. Just because we are Christians, uh, it does not make all those things blend into a warm concoction. That's not the way it is, okay? That's not how it is even in church. Some people are easily upset. Some people seem to be born upset. (laughs) Jesus had a hard enough time with the 12 guys he walked around with for three years. Leading large groups can be a difficult challenge. And so even among the rest of us in church, not just leaders, but the rest of us in the congregation, how easily we get annoyed and upset with each other. A theologian once said it best, rather famously, ministry would be great if it weren't for the people. We know we need so much patience to put up with all the people God has brought together in the church. If only they were like us. Thank God they're not like you or me. It is hard to be like Christ in this way, to let the fruit of the Spirit ripen in our lives, if in fact this is how we act. Uh, There is effort and struggle every day of your life. Uh, Paul's words to several of his churches spoke poignantly on this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. But always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Live in peace. And look at what these people are doing to advance your your, uh, spiritual life and love them and care for them. Paul goes even further in Ephesians chapter 4, where he says, A prisoner for a Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Bear with one another in love. That's this message. Bear with one another in love. Now, what is the practical in a message like this? How can we as Christians that have received the the fruit of the Spirit develop patience? What's the practical? Uh, And I want you to leave with the practical. Well, first, we need to be thankful that trials produce patience. Understand that. Every trial you're going through, God is using to develop you and perfect you and to increase your patient quotients. Uh, No one wants to undergo suffering without expected results. Trials help us to develop perseverance and patience in every possible way. Look at James chapter 1, where he said, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. There it is, perseverance, another word for patience. Second, cooperate with the Holy Spirit. God has equipped you, He's given it to you. Since patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, it goes without saying that we must cooperate with him. He's given it to you. He wants you to develop it. Ask God to give you the strength to develop it, the courage to develop, to walk with it, to understand how the world needs to see this in you. This is critical. Uh, The Holy Spirit tells us to obey what the Lord Jesus taught us. And so he has taught you. He has taught you and he has demonstrated you to be be patient in every aspect of our life. Third and finally, we must always look to Jesus Christ. He is the ultimate model of the patient man. Uh, He is the perfect model of patience. And we want to become more and more like him. Effectively, you need to walk in your life and say, what would Jesus do? Would he blow up online waiting for coffee? Would Jesus blow up online in the supermarket? Uh, Would Jesus blow up because the pharmacist is out for lunch? No, no, and neither should we. And so my message for you today, and I pray for you when you pray for me, that God will develop this fruit, that it will grow, it will be burnished, it will blossom, and that in every way, every way, the world will see something that nobody else has because God equipped you. Amen, church? Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you so much for your message, how you delivered to us the importance of patience. Father, I ask you today to let this fruit of the Spirit grow and blossom in our life because it's your Spirit, Lord, your patience. You've demonstrated it to us from the beginning of time in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Lord, we want to be like you. We want to be like Jesus. Help us. Remind us. Elevate us and affirm us. Let every person in this congregation have the import of this message in their heart as we put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.